Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Boardwalk Real Estate Investment Trust First Quarter 2021 Earnings Conference Call. At this time, note that all participant lines are in a listen-only mode. But following the presentation, we will conduct a question and answer session. And if at any time during this call you require immediate assistance, please press star zero for the operator. A reminder that this call is being recorded on May 14th. 2021. And I would like to turn the conference over to Mr. James Ha. Please go ahead, sir. Thank you, Sylvie, and welcome to the Boardwalk REIT 2021 First Quarter Results Conference Call. With me here today is Sam Colius, Chief Executive Officer, Lisa Smanich, Chief Financial Officer, and Lisa Russell, Senior Vice President of Corporate Development. Note that this call is being broadly disseminated by way of webcast. If you have not already done so, please visit bwalk.com slash investors, where you will find a link to today's presentation, as well as PDF files of the trust financial statements, MD&A, as well as supplemental information package. Starting on slide two, we'd like to remind our listeners that certain statements in this call and presentation may be considered forward-looking statements. Although the expectations set forth in such statements are based on reasonable assumptions, BoardWalk's future operation and its actual performance may differ materially from those in any forward-looking statements. Information that could cause actual results to differ materially from these statements are detailed in BoardWalk's publicly filed documents. I'd like to now turn the call over to Sam Colius. Re-engineered for growth through pandemic conditions, our results reflect we have adapted, we are evolving, and are emerging with a focus on our organic growth, optimizing our revenues, reducing our controllable costs, and seeing market gains with our brand renovation and repositioned communities. Strong demand growth is reflected by record population in Alberta in Q1, a return of post-secondary students, immigration, and increasing demand for affordable housing. Our focus on quality service and experience is reflected by strong resident retention, community engagement initiatives, and world-class resident member experience measured by our record high net promoter scores. Our geographic expansion is providing accretive results from economic and geographically diversified markets. Our combination of acquisitions and development provides us with exciting opportunities for the post-pandemic transition. Our next slide highlights BoardWalk's national portfolio and reflects on record affordability levels at current rental rates that provide for a sustainable growth opportunity across all our markets. Our most affordable markets are our largest Edmonton and Calgary markets. Slide five illustrates how BoardWalk is capturing market share by outperforming in both occupancy and average rental rates. Slide six, our Q1 2020 operating results reflect positive NOI growth in our Quebec, 
Saskatchewan and Ontario markets. A drop in NOI for our Edmonton and Calgary markets due to the slower winter months last year and further lockdowns with vacancy dropping in the first quarter and occupancy and revenues rising into the second quarter. Slide 7 shows our rent change on new and renewal leases and how the use of incentives for new rentals has increased to drive higher occupancy and revenues. Sustainable rental rate adjustments on renewals are offsetting increases in our non-controllable expenses. Renewals are typically 60 to 70% of our monthly lease activity. Slide eight shows strong rentals for January, February, March, and April as we continue to gain occupancy with more rentals and move outs in each month. To date, May continues to be very strong with many renters coming from home ownership, new migrants to Alberta, and with new resident members moving out of competitor smaller apartment units into our larger two, three, and four bedroom units. Our slide nine provides key operational metrics which reflect our incentives, occupied rent, and number of associates essentially flat. Our Q1 revenue is slightly lower as a result of the lower Q1 occupancy. Since February, our monthly occupancy has increased 100 basis points. As we head into our strong summer rental season, the occupancy and revenue trend for all our markets is positive. Slide 10, our Boardwalk brand. Boardwalk's product diversification captures a much wider audience of resident members' needs, increasing the overall demand for Boardwalk communities. We provide three different branded communities, Boardwalk Living, Affordable Value, Boardwalk Communities, Enhanced Value, and Boardwalk Lifestyle, Affordable Luxury. Currently, we have approximately 6% lifestyle, 44% communities, and 50% living suites across our portfolio. Each brand provides exceptional value at each price point grounded on some of the most affordable rents in Canada. Slides 11 through 17 highlight our rebrand communities and examples of yields on cost for some of our rebrand projects, as well as upcoming 2021 exciting community upgrades. To date, we have completed approximately 34% of total portfolio common area and 47%, including the completion of 2021 projects and amenity improvements, as well as 25% of total suite improvements. Slide 12, our design team, in-house renovation team, and contractor partners continue to move mountains as illustrated by our very exciting community improvements in Northern and Southern Alberta, Saskatoon, Regina, Kitchener, Montreal, and Quebec City. Slide 13, illustrate some beautiful renderings and plans for our large West Edmonton Village community. Slide 14, showcases beautiful renderings and plans for our complex low-damp conversion from a senior to multifamily community and renamed last. Slide 15, 
shows our renderings of a new exterior lobby, experience center, amenities, and hallways for King's Tower in Kitchener, just down the street from the Google headquarters. There are also renderings of Green Tree Village in West Edmonton. Slide 16 shares our stabilized renovation return for Wimbledon, Edmonton, of 10.4% and has exceeded our 8% internal hurdle rate. Our renovations continue to garner positive resident testimonials, driving referrals, and occupancy higher. Slide 17 features our efficient renovation at Sanford Apartments in London, Ontario, with a strong yield on cost of 18.2%. We would like to now pass the call on to Lisa Smandage, who will provide us with an overview of our financial results. Lisa? Thank you, Sam. On slide 18, the trust delivered strong FFO and AFFO growth, with FFO increasing by 5.5% from $31.5 million to $33.2 million for the three months ended March 31, 2021. AFFO increased by 9.1% from $22.7 million to $24.8 million, using an annualized maintenance capex estimate of $1,012 per apartment unit. During the recent quarter, the Trust completed a thorough review of its capital investment program with a focus on defining its value-add and maintenance capex activities. The results of this review is summarized on slide 19, with the Trust anticipating total capital investment of $3,980 per suite in 2021 as compared to $3,402 incurred in 2020. The Trust defines value-add capital investments as those investments which focus on increasing the productivity of the property with the goal of increasing net operating income through revenue growth and or decreasing operating expenses. Value-add investments include building improvements and common area renovations, as well as suite upgrades and technology initiatives, all with the goal of supporting NOI growth. For fiscal 2021, the trust anticipates to incur $2,968 per suite on value-add investments. Maintenance capital expenditures include those expenditures that are incurred to maintain and sustain the existing earning capacity of a property. Using a three-year rolling average as a reserve, the trust estimates to spend $1,012 per suite on maintenance capex in 2021. Please note the 2020 results presented were calculated using the same methodology as just described, as well as noting that significant judgment is required to determine whether a capital expenditure is needed to maintain versus increase the earning capacity of an asset. Slide 20 summarizes the Trust's monthly revenue collections from its resident members for the past year. Please note collections are reported for the calendar month only and do not include revenue collected in subsequent months. 98.7% of April revenue was collected in April, which is consistent with the Trust's historic run rate. For the quarter ended March 31, 2021, bad debt expenses totaled $1.2 million, or approximately 1% of rental revenue, which is in line with our pre-pandemic bad debt rates. Slide 21 provides a summary of BoardWalk's available liquidity. The Trust is well positioned with approximately $94 million in cash and subsequently funded financings as well as an undrawn $199 million operating line. This approximate $294 million in liquidity 
provides the trust with a flexible financial position in the current environment, as well as providing the ability to take advantage of opportunities as they present themselves. Slide 22 illustrates BoardWalk's mortgage maturity schedule. Our mortgages are well staggered, with approximately 99% of our mortgage balance carrying NHA insurance through the Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation. This insurance remains in effect for the full amortization of the mortgage, and in addition to carrying the Government of Canada's backing, provides access to low-cost financing with current estimated 5- and 10-year CMHC rates of 1.7% and 2.5% respectively. With current rates well below the trust maturing rates, mortgage financing continues to be one of the lowest costs of capital available to the trust. The trust debt metrics continue to improve with an interest coverage of 2.82 in the current quarter. Slide 23 summarizes our progress on our 2021 mortgage maturities. To date, we have renewed or forward locked approximately 35% of our 2021 mortgage maturities, as well as secured 42.6 million in new financing at low interest rates. Additionally, we financed a recent acquisition for 32 million and an interest rate below 2%. Current underwriting criteria in our most recent submissions to CMHC and our lenders has remained in line with our historically conservative estimates. I would now like to turn the call to Lisa Russell, who will provide an update on our investments. Thank you, Lisa. Starting on slide 24, we are pleased to announce the acquisition of Aurora, a newly constructed 114-unit community which is well-located in View Royal, an established and growing municipality in Victoria, British Columbia. Built in 2019, this community was purchased for $48 million at an approximate cap rate of four and a quarter and is currently 100% occupied. Aurora offers spacious living with average suite sizes over 840 square feet. This community is surrounded by natural park and walking trails. Aurora is nestled between one of our future development sites and the Victoria General Hospital, which will provide future operational efficiencies and complements our re-entry into the Victoria market. This acquisition represents the Trust's ongoing commitment towards the execution of its long-term strategy to geographically diversify in high-growth markets. Moving on to slide 25, the Trust is also excited to announce the acquisition of Mountain View Estates, a well-located 81-unit community in the picturesque resort town of Banff, Alberta. This world-renowned tourist destination, surrounded by the beautiful Rocky Mountains, has historically attracted over 4 million tourists a year and has proven to be remarkably strong despite the impact of COVID-19. Parks Canada offers a non-participating 42-year land lease, which was recently renewed and expires in 2060. Mountain View Estates consists of three-bedroom townhomes and two-bedroom apartment units offering its residents expansive living space of over 930 square feet on average. This community is surrounded by breathtaking views of the National Park and sits on an underdeveloped eight-acre parcel of land. Mountain View Estates was purchased for $24 million at an approximate cap rate of 5%. This new acquisition will add operating efficiencies to our existing BAMP portfolio. Throughout the pandemic, Mountain View Estates has maintained high occupancy rates, showing the resilient nature of this unique, tightly held, undersupplied market. With a large mark-to-market over in-place rents, as well as future development potential, this value-add acquisition presents the trust a significant value creation opportunity. Slide 26 provides a brief update on our current and future development projects. 
45 Railroad in Brampton, Ontario is the Trust's only development project currently under construction. Work on the two tower, 365 unit project continues to move forward on time and on budget. We anticipate the first tower to be delivered in late 2022. The Mississauga, Ontario development site, which Boardwalk holds a 50% interest in, received rezoning approval in April and is subject to a 20-day appeal period. The partnership is excited to achieve rezoning and to proceed with maximizing this development opportunity. In addition to our eastern development projects, the Trust has two future development sites in Victoria, BC. Rental fundamentals in this in this market remains strong with low vacancy rates and demand outpacing the supply of rental housing. These two prime development sites supplemented by our recent acquisition give Boardwalk a solid foundation in this high growth market. The first site, Eagles Nest, which is located in View Royal is zoned for approximately 250 rental units. We are working through permitting with a potential construction start in 2022. The second site, the Marin has received positive feedback from the initial consultation with the community and application for rezoning has been made. We anticipate rezoning to be completed in 2021. These development sites provide the opportunity for Boardwalk to utilize its past experience and success in building accretive low-rise developments. The Trust is excited to bring Boardwalk's brand of unique design and affordability to Victoria while creating value for the Trust in our proven low-rise development program. Before I turn the call over to James and wrap up my last conference call at Boardwalk, I would like to take a personal moment to thank Sam and Van. They are industry leaders and shared a vision over 30 years ago, which has truly transformed the Canadian multifamily real estate sector. Starting from a 16-unit company in Calgary, evolving into a REIT, which today owns and operates over 33,000 apartments across Canada. Sam, it has been an honour and my privilege to work with you over the years. You are brilliant, inspirational, and have been a mentor and friend to me throughout my career at Boardwalk. As well, I'd like to send my gratitude to my team, as well as our entire Boardwalk family, my industry friends, board members, analysts, and shareholders. I look forward to following the continued success of the company. I would now like to turn the call over to James. Thank you, Lisa, and thank you for everything. Slide 27 illustrates the exceptional value Boardwalk's current trading price represents when comparing to recent transactions in our core markets. $37 per trust unit equates to approximately $142,000 per apartment door. Boardwalk's high-quality, well-located portfolio has an estimated NAV of approximately $175,000 per apartment door and compares in line with recent market transactions and well below the increasing cost of replacement. Utilizing 12, trailing 12-month 12 property NOI on slide 28, Boardwalk's current trading pr price equates to an attractive 5.75% cap rate and is a significant spread to the cost of available mortgage capital, as well as recent capitalization rates seen in major markets in Canada. As shown on slide 29, each of Boardwalk's core markets present unique opportunities to accelerate on our trend of organic growth as we near the end of the pandemic. Our Alberta and Saskatchewan portfolio provides an opportunity to gain on occupancy while targeting sustainable incentive reductions on lease renewals. Our affordable and high-value offering Ontario and Quebec markets remain near full occupancy. Trust continues to focus on achieving sustainable AGI increases for community improvements and optimizing rental rates when units turn over. Just a $25 adjustment in our monthly average in-place rent or a 2% improvement to our occupancy 
each equate to approximately 20 cents in annual FFO per unit and represents a significant growth opportunity over the near and long term as we continue to optimize our revenue and NOI. Slide 30 shares a summary of our progress on our objectives. Through this pandemic, our competitive advantage, disciplined approach, and resident-friendly focus has been rewarded with continued growth in FFO per unit of 4.8% compared to the first quarter a year ago, which preceded the pandemic. Our accretive capital allocation combined with our gains in occupancy since February have positioned us to grow revenue sequentially through the year and in, in advance of the return of post-secondary students, immigration, and a new post-pandemic environment. Slide 31 provides some highlights from our recent ESG report, while slide 32 provides measurable objectives the Trust has set for the year. The Boardwalk team is proud to highlight our continued focus on ESG by continuing to provide our essential service of affordable housing to Canadians and striving to improve how we can further improve on our environmental and social impact while enhancing our already top-rated governance practices. We look forward to updating our stakeholders on our progress towards our measurable objectives in the coming quarters. We would now like to open up the phone line for questions. Sylvie? Thank you, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, if you do have any questions at this time, please slowly press star followed by one on your touchtone phone. You will then hear a three-tone prompt acknowledging your request. And if you should wish to withdraw your question, simply press star followed by two. And if you're using a speakerphone, we do ask that you please lift the handset before pressing any keys. Please go ahead and press star one now if you have a question. And your first question will be from Jonathan Kelcher at TD Securities. Please go ahead. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Thanks. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Um, first, just uh, Lisa, con congrats on uh, your retirement. We we will miss you in the, the analyst community here. Thank you very much, Jonathan. I appreciate it. Um, first, just on the, the Edmonton market, I guess in the, in the report, um, in your quarterly report, you talk about new supply making the the market a little bit more competitive you did see occupancy tick up in in april um do you think you're you're through the worst of the 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 new supply the the competition from that jonathan good morning it's sam the mls statistics in edmonton shows a very very strong uh, absorption of listings and a drop of, of inventory. Our rentals are, are very, very strong in, uh, in May uh, during a full lockdown. And so the difference between this lockdown and the last lockdown is we are experiencing super strong rentals. Now, the good news in our market surveys, everybody is experiencing this strong demand for rentals. In Edmonton, in Calgary, our rentals in Edmonton today are outpacing rentals in Calgary. We are on track to absorb much more units in Edmonton because we have 
more units to absorb in Edmonton than Calgary. And so Calgary's uh, occupancy has risen uh, very, very um, well. Edmonton's following through on a, on a really strong uh, note, and we're seeing population movement into Alberta uh, through other sources like the MLS listings that are on Edmonton Real Estate Board, live data, Calgary Real Estate Board, record high sales in both those markets. And when we ask our, our contacts, uh, home builders, over 50% are new migrants coming to Canada and citing Alberta is the most affordable place in Canada to move to. And as a result, they're coming, bringing their families, buying uh, homes, renting with us, and moving to Alberta during a pandemic. Okay, that's uh, that's good positive, good positive color. And I guess in your in your opening comment, Sam, you, you said May continues to be very strong. I guess that's across across the board. You certainly said that in, in Edmonton. So, is it fair to say that new leasing is is outpacing moveouts again in May? Significantly, significantly, and we're in a full shutdown. So we're <laughs> we're extremely pleased with how rental is doing and one word describes our team, extraordinary. There's, there's no other word to uh, describe our team and the efforts we're all making. And really the Alberta market is, is absolutely turning around. There's, there's lots of evidence, again, both on the Edmonton Real Estate Board and the Calgary Real Estate Board, uh, live MLS data, there are a lot of people moving back to and to Alberta as we speak. Okay, that's, uh, that's very helpful. That's it for me, thanks. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. Next question will be from Brandon Abrams at Kennecord Genuity. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning, everyone. Good morning, um, Brandon. Maybe just to follow up on Jonathan's line of questioning, um, seems like you're seeing a strong demand so far in May on the leasing front, um, you know, occupancy did pick up uh, or increase in March and April, but, you know, coincided, I guess, with higher incentive use. So I guess what's the current incentive use, um, maybe in Edmonton and Calgary, and, uh, you know, what do you expect that to look like over the next few months um, during the high leasing uh, season? Thank you, Brandon. What we're seeing uh, in, Let's go, go to Saskatoon, Regina, for example. When we hit uh, 99, 100% occupancy in most of our communities or avail, uh, availability at, at uh, 1%, we saw an essential evaporation of incentives for new rentals. And, and so in Saskatchewan, with our occupancy as high as it is, we're, we're not seeing... Um, uh, incentives like we were, and we're gaining on new um, lease rates and renewals, of course. And so as uh, we fill up, and many communities in Calgary and Edmonton are seeing much less incentive because our occupancy is much higher. And so several of our communities in Calgary are over 98% uh, occupied and in Edmonton, uh, we're seeing absorption and and rentals that 
that our availability uh, at the end of the month will be much, much lower than it, than it has been the entire year and certainly at the end of uh, last year. So as our occupancy moves up to over 97, 98% overall, that's when we will be seeing incentives come down on new rentals in Alberta. And we believe that is on track for the strong summer and uh, fall months. We're already seeing slight drops uh, overall in incentives. But again, we look at the overall revenue gain. The net revenue gain is positive, and that's, uh, that's the reason we continue to use incentives on new rentals in Edmonton and in Calgary to gain on occupancy because it's opportunity lost if we leave a, an apartment empty, and that revenue is gone for good if, if we lose that opportunity, and that's the reason we use this, this methodology, and it absolutely drives our NOI higher. When uh, vacant unit uh, is, is essentially all paid for because of our expense nature, it's typically all fixed expenses, any dollar uh, to the top line goes right to the bottom line because most of our expenses, if not all, are fixed. And that's, that's why we use this occupancy and focus in on occupancy so much. Right. Okay. No, that's, uh, that's very helpful. Um, just as you were flipping through the slides there in the opening remarks, I noticed West Edmonton Village, I guess, is going through a rebranding. Um, I think it's either your you know, largest or second largest asset. Um, can you just provide some more color there in terms of, um, you know, what you're planning to do? Is it just the amenities building or is it, you know, the interior suites as well and um, the projected cost uh, of the overall um, project and, you know, what you see as the return profile uh, for the property? So the, the renovations as per the, um, uh, pictures that we have provided is including an amazing amenity because of the size of that community, approximately 1,173 units. Uh, it is our largest community uh, in the West. Uh, Nuns Island is the largest uh, community we have, and that's in um, Nuns Island. We're also doing common areas because we, we find the return on doing common areas is the highest. and, and it's a phenomenal community, the scale of the community, the diversity of that community, the location of the community. We've identified it as a, as a prime candidate to reposition. And our target's 8%. Uh, the, the, the budget, um, again, they're, they're being finalized. Uh, we're... Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're actually doing an amazing job keeping our prices uh, under control and securing uh, materials in this inflationary uh, commodity, inflationary environment uh, that we find ourselves in. And I, again, our target is a minimum of 8%. We're very confident we're going to get at least that by renovating that uh, phenomenal community. And it, it will really really provide unique value proposition given the scale and the amenities that, that we are providing and freshing up uh, that, that 
will really, uh, really stand out in that community. And as a result, uh, we're very confident that the returns uh, uh, that that we'll realize uh, will be very, uh, uh, very significant and beat our uh, our eight uh, percent uh, target. Hi, Brendan. Okay. It's James. The, uh, sorry, the the budget is between two to two and a half million dollars. And Brendan, it's James here. Just to add to Sam's uh, comments there, uh, obviously with a community that's over 3,100 apartment units and very much like other communities that we've renovated in the past, um, uh, not a, a small rental rate adjustment is all it takes for us to, to accomplish those returns. And so as we target those rental rate adjustments on those common areas, uh, we do anticipate that uh, we're going to be able to uh, obtain uh, yield on cost well above that 8% target. Right. Okay. No, that's helpful. Maybe I thought um, you guys were just going to be building a, a whole brand new amenities building, but um, given the given the projected cost, it seems like that's not the case. Um, okay, that's great. I'll turn it over. Thank you. Thank you, Brandon. Again, what what we have been saying is the use of our eyedropper when it comes to the use of our capital. It's very, very focused, concentrated and it must provide a great value proposition for everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Next question will be from Matt Logan at RBC. Please go ahead. Thank you, and good morning. Good morning, Matt. Sam, it, it certainly seems like your eyedropper approach to deploying capital is paying off, and the company's doing a good job of controlling the controllables. Um, could either you or maybe Lisa talk about where you see the NOI margin trending this year and give us a few examples of uh, that capital conservation kind of within the operating uh, side of the business? Sure, Matt. It's, sorry, it's James here. Just to get started on the operating margin front, um, our team's doing a fantastic job, to your point, Matt, on the operating cost control, um, on the specifically on the controllable cost front. As everybody remembers on the non-controllable side, we faced some significant increases in the second half of 2020, you know, specifically in property taxes and insurance. We haven't yet lapped those expenses. Uh, good news is coming, coming forward into the third quarter uh, and the second half of the year, and we should get more color on this uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, on the property tax front, there's some potential good news there, right, uh, relative to last year, especially where we faced you know, 20% tax increases in Calgary and high single-digit tax increases in Edmonton. Those are tax increases that we aren't anticipating uh, continuing into this year. And so uh, with the revenue build uh, that Sam spoke of uh, that we're anticipating gaining uh, into the spring and into the summer, that combined with lapping those expenses should provide some stability on, on margins going forward. Good color. And if we were to build off of Brandon's question with respect to the uh, the incentives, they were 9.4 million in the quarter. Based on what you've seen to date, you know, how should we think about the burn off over the next 12 months? Like, is that a two, 3% reduction? Is that a 5% reduction? Any sort of general color would be appreciated. Sure, yeah, on, on the incentives, I mean, when we think about the incentives going forward, you see, you see our pace on lease renewal. That's been where our focus is on our retention. We've seen success in sustainably reducing those, uh, those incentives. Our team continues to target through this environment uh, conservative numbers, right? 20, 30, 40, $50 adjustments. 
and seeing success with that. To Sam's earlier point, as occupancy continues to gain, that's going to position us to reduce those incentives on new leases. If we look back to pre-pandemic, Matt, you know, uh, certainly we believe in uh, retention and continuing sustainable adjustments going forward. So if I look at pre-pandemic, we were adjusting um, uh, our incentives on a 4 to 8% basis. Right. So again, continuing to target 40, 50, 60, 70 dollar uh, incentive reductions uh, pre-pandemic. I think that's fair to say uh, in terms of our targets going forward to build that sustainable revenue growth uh, for the coming uh, years. Great color. And maybe if we turn to the transaction market, wondering where assets are trading in your core Edmonton and Calgary markets, um, either on a cap rate or price per suite. And if we think about where your stock is trading, would it make sense to perhaps uh, you know sell a few assets and buy back uh, units? So I'll just take the first part of the question, and then I probably James will jump in. So for transactions, um, it's been relatively quiet in Calgary. There's been a couple transactions in 2021 um, in Edmonton, and the cap ranging around a four to kind of the four and a half range. And uh, probably on a door price between like about 170 to 180 on that, that kind of a transaction. Um, James, if you want to add some color on. Yeah, Matt, I think uh, you've seen us uh, being quite active in terms of trading uh, assets, right? So uh, pairing on core assets and using that capital and recycling it into geographic expansion opportunities, much like we did this quarter uh, with our Banff and Victoria acquisitions, which are very creative to our bottom line. And you still continue to see us do that. Um, to your point in the past, we have certainly uh, taken that opportunity to pair non-core assets uh, and repurchase stock, right? Today, you know, much of the uh, non-core asset sales are being redeployed into geographic expansion opportunities that are providing great accretion to our bottom line. And just to add to that, uh, right now we currently have uh, three sales um, in Edmonton under contract, and we'll be able to give you more color in that in August. Excellent. I appreciate the color. And maybe one last one for me before I turn it back. I don't know if I missed this, but can you tell us where the occupancy stands, uh, you know, today in May? Like, is that up uh, at all from April at 95.7? Yeah, we'll continue to we'll provide that update, Matt, uh, in the coming uh, months, uh, specifically with our regular operational updates through this pandemic. Our availability is lower, though. As, as Sam pointed out, uh, rentals are continuing on the same pace relative to move-outs as, as we've seen in the last few months. Uh, that availability is much lower than that occupancy. Appreciate it. That's all from me. I'll turn it back. Thank you. Thank you. Next question will be from Howard Leong at Veritas Investment. Please go ahead. Uh, thanks, um, and uh, good morning. Uh, I just uh, want to ask about. Thanks. Uh, I just wanted to ask about the, um, the the recent move-ins that you're seeing. You know, are they are they uh, seasonally different from uh, what you've seen in the last year um, you know, in terms of the composition of the tenants? Maybe you've talked about uh, some of them being from uh, outside Alberta. Can you just give a little more color on that? Sure, thank you, Howard. Uh, when we ask our team where folks are coming from, uh, some are selling homes and moving back into rentals uh, because of the current uh, economic situation. So we're, we're seeing uh, local demand uh, from home or condominium ownership back into rentals. Uh, foreign and uh, migrants 
uh, moving to uh, Alberta, coming back uh, to school, setting up for the fall early, uh, going through the quarantine, going through all the uh, rules and regulations that we have that's going to take longer, and also preparing uh, for the fall because of the expectation that uh, leaving, uh, finding an apartment in the last minute in the summer is going to be uh, a, a very tough situation given that, the, uh, as, as we all have discussed, uh, the double cohort having this and last year's uh, classes come back <clears throat> excuse me, in, the, in the summertime. So there's a lot of keeners uh, already coming back. Uh, then we ask uh, our team, um, space and size really makes a big difference. And so our larger units we hear from our team are very attractive. Uh, residents moving out of smaller one and studio apartments um, and, and smaller apartments uh, in the marketplace to our larger two, three, four bedroom uh, formats that we talked about. Our average unit size is a two bedroom unit size, uh, just under 900 square feet. And so the uh, larger spaces is really helping. The other uh, phenomena that, that we have uh, seen and, and, and many others have discussed is the um, suburban locations. When we do our market shops, there's high absorption in the new product, very quick uh, filling up of uh, new supply and, and that uh, continues to drive demand into our low-rise, low low-density suburban locations where folks and new residents are looking for communities that they can walk to their apartment units, not take elevators. And, and so there is a um, difference and a, a change in preference to uh, lower density communities. Uh, and that's why we're seeing a really uh, high occupancy, especially in our towns, uh, townhomes. And, and so that's, that's the trends uh, we're seeing. Yeah, that's uh, that's helpful. Um, and I guess as a, a follow-up to that, you know, we have heard there's a, there's a gap between the suburban and urban uh, property for for many landlords. Um, what would you say uh, for for your portfolio the the delta is in terms of occupancy between uh, your buildings in the core versus in the suburban areas? Uh, approximately two or three hundred basis points, two or three percent is the delta. And we have to give a lot of credit to our teams for repositioning our, our um, uh, urban and core communities and, and really uh, the improvements that we've made uh, in, our, in our core really has helped us uh, uh, out, outpace the uh, competition, especially the, the brand new high-rise when we uh, polled and surveyed in the downtown cores has the highest vacancy because of both price and small size. That, that is where the highest vacancy is and we do not have any, any downtown new development, high-rise uh, concrete uh, communities that we've developed. And they'll, they'll be fine. Everything is now filling up. Uh, again, the, the, uh, the demand uh, for housing overall is very strong. And again, our slide eight, uh, the rentals jump out uh, on our slide eight on the right-hand side. 
and our rentals are jumping out in May again. Uh, and again, we're in a full lockdown is, is uh, what we're in the middle of, and we are renting, uh, uh, I'd like to use the word like hotcakes. It's a strong right. word. Right. I don't really know any other word to describe it, though. It, you know, we talk to our competitors all the time. They're seeing the same thing. Yeah, it, it looks like there is a, a big surge in rentals there. Um, I guess my, my last one is uh, is on incentives. Um, it, it's uh, Looking at your deck, it looks like the average incentive uh, last quarter was $175 a unit. Um, I guess running the numbers, it's implied that the number of free months there is about 1.2. Um, how many how many free months uh, of rent are you offering lately? I guess in your incentives, and how has it has it been declining from um, let's say the past year? Hey Howard, it's James here. Uh, the incentives really vary from community to community, as you know. Uh, you're right. Uh, on average, that is a, uh, approximately where we're at. You can pair that with our uh, leasing spread slide to deduce. Uh, really, those incentives are ranging anywhere from you know, zero in Saskatchewan, where we are uh, uh, effectively zero availability to, you know, two or three months in some of our communities that might temporarily have higher availability today. But on average, yeah, in that one to one and a half month range, Howard, would be fair. Again, on lease renewals is where we're targeting and seeing success in reducing those incentives as well. Right, right. That makes sense. Okay. Uh, thanks, guys. Uh, my questions, I'll uh, turn it back. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Next question will be from Joanne Chen at BMO. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning. Um, apologies if I missed this earlier, but just wanted to check in on in terms of uh, obviously very good control but uh, on the expense side. I'm just wondering what the runway is, um, I guess, for more opportunities uh, throughout uh, 2021. I'd say, Joanne, on the controllable expense side, our team is doing a fantastic job uh, in continuing to do so. Uh, I'd like to see us uh, continue to maintain that, and I think our team can do so. We're, again, uh, we might get some reprieve or on some of our uh, non-controllable expenses this year. And so keep an eye out for property taxes. We're watching that very closely. Uh, we'll get more color on that in the, in the uh, coming weeks. Uh, maybe Lisa can just touch on insurance. That's a place where we might see... Yeah, I would say from an insurance side, we're a little bit more cautious there. I would love to share James' optimistic that we might see with property tax, but unfortunately on the insurance side, uh, capacity is still an issue in the insurance space. So we're just entering into our renewal period as we speak, and so um, we're probably we're a bit cautious, I'd say, on the insurance side. But again, insurance is roughly 3 to 4% of our total operating expenses. So not um, a big cost. However, we sometimes do see some larger increases on that line. Got it. Um, and I guess just one last one, uh, with respect to occupancy, it was great to see it continuing to climb um, through the tail end of the quarter and uh, obviously into into April as well. Do you see kind of the same magnitude of kind of that improvement over the next um, next few months? It's Sam, Joanne, and with vaccinations and with all the um, evidence that we're seeing uh, in the United States with uh, uh, the CDC announcement the other day uh, uh, saying that double vaxxers uh, will not uh, require masks. Uh, thank God the vaccinations work. And, and so we're well on our way. Uh, God bless America for helping Canadians out on uh, vaccination supply. 
Um, and, and it's awesome to see how many are open to getting vaccinations and how effective vaccinations really, really are. They do work, and we're well on our way to reopening like Great Britain, like United States. And, and so the, you know, the evidence is overwhelming, um, and our premier, our health advisors, uh, Premier Mo in Saskatchewan put a, an opening plan together that's very clear. Uh, Saskatchewan has the lowest unemployment rate in the country of Canada right now and is in a great position and example of how uh, we all can reopen and look to um, a, a more typical um, uh, uh, living um, that, that we used to, used to have and, and uh, share our smiles uh, that we're all looking so forward to do. And, and so we're, we're very happy with the evidence and the science and, and how, how other, other nations are, are coming through the pandemic and, and uh, crushing COVID. For sure. Um, no, that's great to hear. Um, okay, that, most of my other questions have been answered, so I'll turn it back. Thank you. Thank you, Joanne. Thank you. Next question will be from Mario Sarek at Scotiabank. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning. Good morning, Mario. Um, maybe, maybe a couple of specific questions. Uh, with respect to the, uh, the rent change on prior lease in May, I, I recognize that it's only happened much so far, uh, but it does seem occupancy is, is trending in the right direction. Do you have a sense of what the 2.1% lease renewal and negative 4.7% that was disclosed for April would be in May thus far? Hey, Mario, it's James. Uh, likely fairly uh, on the lease renewal side, uh, consistent. Uh, on the new lease side, it's early here, but to Sam's point earlier, you know, our availability is quite down, and so uh, I would expect you know that to potentially uh, come in. Um, you know, we'll we'll keep everybody updated with our uh, release uh, in the coming months. Okay, and then maybe uh, shifting gears to the property taxes, uh, Q1 versus Q4, they were down about a million, quarter over quarter. And again, in your disclosure, you highlighted uh, some potential savings in Quebec with some near-term COVID-related initiatives and then a disposition in, in Saskatchewan as well that helped. Uh, can you maybe reconcile the, the million-dollar decline quarter over quarter and how much of that you think is sustainable versus one-time mission nature? Mario, it's James again. Yeah, I would say most of that uh, was related to that uh, successful tax appeal that we received uh, in the first quarter in Quebec. Um, likely for Q2, we're likely to see a property tax number that's somewhere in between where you saw uh, the first and the fourth quarter. Uh, that said, uh, as we mentioned earlier, the third quarter is when we uh, would anticipate um, our new bills coming, especially in Western Canada. And fingers crossed, we're, we're looking forward to uh, seeing where that comes in and certainly, you know, uh, anticipating something that is much better than what we saw this time last year. And when uh the, the optimism, just to, to clarify, so if we look at your Q3 20 property tax total of 13.7 million, um, I, know, I know there's been some portfolio mixed changes since then, but in, in terms of the potential change, is it uh, simply a, a deceleration in the expected growth rate in areas like Alberta, or uh, could you see actual flat or, or lower property taxes year over year? 
Uh, we're, we're hoping for, for the latter there, Mario. Again, we won't know for certain for uh, another few weeks here, but, you know, keep in mind, we think of Edmonton and Calgary, you know, as Calgary specifically facing 20% tax increase last year, you know, even flat, right? 20% over two years is a significant increase. So uh, we'll keep everybody posted. Again, fingers crossed, but we would be uh, looking for the latter on that in Western Canada. Got it. Okay, and my, my last question just relates to kind of broader market supply growth. There's there's various metrics out there, but do you internally, uh, based on the metrics that you look at in Calgary and Edmonton in particular, uh, can you give us a sense of what the expected development, rental development completions in 21 uh, are as a percentage of the existing inventory in both Calgary and Edmonton? Yeah, I think uh, from a from a de development supply standpoint, I mean the good news in terms of more urban projects. Uh, in other words, you know, not on the outskirts of of uh, the city. You know, we can count many of those projects on our fingers here. Um, you know, through the pandemic, uh, we've seen as our development community slow down significantly in terms of starting new construction. You know, that really provides us this opportunity, as, as Sam was mentioning, as we see this return, as we see students come back, as we see immigration come back. You know, we really are setting ourselves up for very quick rebalancing of the housing market. Um, in terms of the actual deliverables, we have that uh, information uh, in our investor presentation in the appendix, and, you know, we can certainly uh, point you to reference that, but we're fairly comfortable with the supply deliveries that uh, are anticipated over the next 12 to 24 months. Uh, Mario, the other uh, thing everybody's seeing is the double and triple digit commodity and uh, resource inflation that we're seeing a uh, triple digit with lumber, for example. And our discussions with, again, uh, a, a, a large home builder seeing approximately a 35% increase in construction costs. And so replacement value, we're seeing our, our wood replacement uh, costs go up to three to 400,000 per unit. And then our concrete uh, high rise at about 600,000 a unit, comparing that to our 140,000 a door, uh, we're in phenomenal shape. There's a, a huge moat around our product and uh, our cost base is unbeatable right now. We, we are in a very strong, solid position as a result of the huge increases in commodity prices and uh, resource uh, prices that we're seeing right now. Got it. Um, I don't have the appendix in front of me, but would it be fair to say when we factor in uh, expected condo uh, completions as well in both Calgary and Edmonton uh, as a percentage of the existing inventory, would it be fair to say that you're kind of sub 3% in terms of that supply growth? Yes. Yeah, we have. We do have that in our appendix, and uh, as James noted, when we drive around, the new supply and development is shrinking, and, and uh, new developments are getting very difficult to justify, given how low rents continue to be. It's just a, a big, big squeeze uh, to develop anything, given how, how low rents still are. And uh, our appendix is uh, page 59, is the Edmonton new uh, construction. And, and that's uh, backward looking, but when we look out and uh, drive around, uh, there's fewer and fewer new developments going on. So 
the cranes moving to other cities with higher rents and um, better economics. Yeah, I guess um, the the rise in construction costs should benefit that supply growth uh, or lack thereof uh, two to three years from now in terms of completions. I was just more kind of interested in, in what was started kind of pre-pandemic and what's going to come on to, come onto the market uh, in the next six to twelve months. Agree, a hundred percent. I just want to follow up with the West Edmonton uh, rental adjustment is between ten and fourteen dollars because we have approximately 1,173 units there, uh, we only require a 10 to $14 adjustment for all the improvements that we're doing there in our common areas. I just wanted to follow that up. Thanks. Uh, that's it for me. Thank you for your time today. Thank you, Mario. Thank you. And at this time, I would like to turn the call back over to Sam. Thank you, Sylvie, as always. If there are any further questions or comments, please do not hesitate to contact us. With gratitude, we would like to thank our amazing team of heroes, our great leaders, loyal residents, CMHC, our lenders, and all our stakeholders. It is really all about our amazing team of heroes whose huge shoulders we stand, and as leaders, we continue to do everything we can to support continued growth in Extraordinary. We really can't thank our amazing team and great leaders enough. Because this is the last conference call that Lisa Russell will be attending as our Senior VP of Corporate Development, giving over 25 years of extraordinary service, we would like to say a very special thank you, Lisa, and wish her and her family all of God's choices blessings for her retirement and thank her for the huge shoulders she has provided us to keep standing on. We remain very blessed to have her in our BFF or Boardwalk family forever. Thank you so much, Lisa. We are pleased with our improving results on a foundation of exceptional value. We continue to provide our resident members, our investors, and all our stakeholders. Our home is much more than a place. Our future is family, where love always lives. What can be more important when choosing where to call home? Thank you again, everyone, for joining us this morning, and may God bless us all with healing, health, and peace through all times. Thank you, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, this does indeed conclude your conference call for today. Once again, thank you for attending, and at this time, we do ask that you please disconnect your lines. Have a good weekend. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.